0: Welcome to Inside the Banjo-Verse, a podcast exploring Roots Music's great artists. Please do rate and subscribe. It makes a huge difference and let all your friends know to listen. This is Enda Scal from Irish bluegrass crossover band We Banjo 3. Before you freak out, don't worry, there's actually four of us and mostly just one banjo. That's me. Banjo player... And multi-instrumentalist Seamus Egan is probably best known for his work with Solace. He's been described as a teen prodigy, an innovator, composer, virtuoso. I've been a huge fan for many years, particularly because of his banjo playing, which is so easily recognisable. This interview is part of a series commissioned by the American Banjo Museum, and I'm very grateful to them for for allowing me to release the audio as a podcast I loved chatting with Seamus he has incredible insight into music in general and particularly into the intricacies of banjo playing so I do hope that you enjoy my conversation with the great Seamus Beagle to introduce one of my all-time favorite banjo players, uh, Mr. Seamus Egan, who I know from Solace uh, for many, many years, um, and I'm a huge fan. And it's it's a great thrill for me to talk to you because we've never we've never yeah. talked about banjo.
1: We have not. No, I mean uh, for I mean we would cross paths, you know, over the over the years. But uh, as those. Uh, path crossings are usually brief and, and, uh, we never get a chance to, to have a chat. So yeah, no, this is great uh, to, to meet like this and, uh,
0: They're usually really hot, aren't they? It's like we meet in Dublin, Ohio and it's, nobody can talk to anybody because you just sweat. Exactly. You're
1: just and... melting.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so do you, see, I know you as a banjo player because, you know, that's how I was introduced to your music. Right. Uh, are you primarily a banjo player or a flute player, or I know there was accordion, which I never knew about until I like, googled you earlier today. Yeah.
1: Oh, really? No, that must be wrong. There's no accordion. There's ah. never been an accordion. Well. But I mean, quite often I find out that I'm also a singer and a fiddle player. So you know, <laughs> I wish I had, I wish I was as talented as some of the things out there think that I am. But um, but no, I mean. The the flute was the sort of flute and whistle the first, you know, the first uh, instruments I started with. And banjo then came along shortly after that. I mean, I guess I've been playing the banjo. I started when I was about maybe eight, seven or eight, I think. Um, and it was really from um, listening, like hearing Mick Maloney on the radio. Um, and that was really, you know, just passed it to my parents' Uh, to that, uh, you know, I, I just loved the sound of it, and there was something, I suppose there there was something in mixed playing that sort of kind of, you know, excited my my ear to it, and um, and that's yeah, and then you know, uh, a banjo. My parents got got me a, a you know a little banjo, and uh, and that was it. Sort of was that. To it.
0: Were you in Ireland or in uh, the US at that time?
1: It was in Ireland in 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 Foxford this that's where we sort of you know when 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 my family moved back from uh Philadelphia in the early 70s um we were in Ballyharnas for for a minute and uh, and then uh, and then Foxford <laughs> for the for the rest of the minutes um so so yeah it was um uh, that's where we started you know my sisters and myself started music and um, and pretty much anything that you know started learning to play was was there in foxford um,
0: do you so. do you remember what your first banjo was
1: you know i don't i don 't think it had a name I remember what it like if i saw it if I saw it walking down the street, I would recognize it like immediately i don 't even know where it is at this point, but it was um it was sort of like a sort of a reddish brown color, no name. And it sounded incredibly tubby. Like it just, it was sort of like a wash base, like a, a large wash, wash basin with strings on it. Like there was absolutely no high end to it whatsoever. It was just, and, but I, you know, I I loved it, you know, and, um, but it, 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 shortly after that, okay, it, it was, I realized that there was no, there was no future with me and that banjo. And then, um, uh, we, my parents found Tom Cousins, uh, there in, 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 Galway. And he was, he, at the time, this is way before he was making his own banjos. Um, so, but he was, he was getting banjo parts from all over and then sort of reconstituting banjos. And so, uh, uh so, I can't remember exactly how it all came together, but we ended up going down there and he had sort of put this banjo aside, uh, for me. Uh, and it was, uh, a sling- uh, a slingerland pal, um, which, which was great. I mean, it was, um, so, and it was, it had the inlay of, you know, mother of toilet seat and all of that. And I was, I loved it. So I still have, it. it's actually just there in the, behind the curtain. um, and I mean, I still play it if the the banjo I play now, if that has to go into the shop or whatever and I, i'm going to be without it for a minute, I still play play that one but um but yeah uh, there, I, i've only uh, so I've only ever had the three banjos in in my in my life so um, that's
0: that's very curious, isn't it I mean, in one sense, because banjo, for whatever reason seems to be this real collectible instrument. And you have mm. guys that have ten and fifteen. And I saw somebody just recently on Facebook on. I think I've completed my collection. I've just found this, you know, <laughs> like Jesus. photographs of nine banjos lined up on a couch and stuff. You know, I, I yeah, I've always
1: been fascinated by that. But I, whatever that sort of gene is, I I never had because I was I was like, well, I can only play one at, at a time. And if that if I've chosen to play that one, that's like it's not it, like it's not an accident that that's the one that i'm playing like i i like this banjo and and if i got another one that i liked more then i'd have two banjos that then i wouldn't play the other one but and then i'd start feeling bad because i love the other one and now i've got this this new one that i want to play so it would just caused me too much angst so i just sort of i i the banjo that i have now i absolutely adore and i don't have a cause for for a new one I mean, I, I do occasionally come across a banjo and I'm like, oh, that's a lovely banjo. And I could see myself playing that banjo should I need a banjo. But I don't, I don't need a banjo.
0: So what, 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 what is it? What do you play? Uh, right now I'm playing, and
1: right now, like, as if this just happened, I've been playing this banjo for nearly 20-something years, nearly 25 years. Um, it's, um, I, I'm looking this way because it's over here. It's uh, Bacon and Day uh, Symphony um from the i uh, uh, apparently the 19 mid 1920s um which i lo-
0: uh, I, lo- I love that you don't know yeah <laughs> cuz i'm and i only because i'm the very same i for years i had an epiphone and an epiphone recording that i got from Tom Cousin because the one that i had he said it's genie maxender he said this is like shouting into a bucket it was yeah right. <laughs> uh, it's such a similar story and uh <laughs> And I would always have said, "Arts, it's from you know nineteen twenty something,
1: <laughs> right? Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, uh, you know." And, and then I, I do start to think, like, "Oh, I often, I should pay attention more to this stuff because then, you know, people come up and they're like very excited about you know what you're playing and and I and then I was like, yeah, and then occasionally I'll you know, so I did learn what this was and a little bit of its history, but I don't, yeah, I mean it wasn't the reason i i ended up with it you know some i played it and i was like okay this suits what i it feels great to hold the neck felt really really good um and the sound was exactly everything that i you know would would want so um so yeah i'm 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 really happy with it i mean it's like i said i've had it for 20 something years now the neck has been snapped off of it a couple of times from from flying which was very upsetting um but uh and it's probably now in need of some sizable work because it doesn't have a truss rod so um you know so it's a sort of a i guess like a three-piece neck um which is going to so it's beginning to warp just a little so i uh, uh, so i that's something that needs to to get looked at pretty soon
0: and would you um, would you've had it looked at a lot over the years
1: okay i mean it i was really fortunate when i lived in philadelphia i lived across the street from uh, a place called vintage instruments um maybe it's you if anytime you were in in the area maybe you came across it and but it's it's this amazing place It's run by um uh, these uh, this couple, uh, Fred Oster and and, uh, and his wife Catherine uh, Jacobs, and like um, they they look after all the instruments for the Philadelphia Orchestra, and like you know they've got a, a guitar collection that is just eye watering. Like they they do really high end um, uh, sales and repairs. They're very good at repairs. And um, Catherine has looked after my my instruments for years. Um, so, you know, I'd come back from, from a tour and literally I would put the suitcase, I could put my suitcase and stuff and the gear in the house and then walk across the street. I would text her from the airport and say, I'm going to drop, you know, I'm home for a couple of weeks. I'm just going to drop stuff in. (laughs) And she, she, you know, give it a, you know, get it back into, into shape again. So I you know, so now I'm, I don't have that, um, it, it suited my it was very suitable to my lazy and uh on un- sort of planned nature so I, I didn't have to think about it too much now i have to it's it's way way more complicated but um but yeah so it, they're going they're going to build a neck for me so um we'll see hmm. but uh that'll be the biggest i mean aside from catherine fixing the neck a couple of times um this will be the biggest sort of job on, on, on the instrument.
0: And will the new I, neck have a truss rod?
1: I don't believe so. Um, they, they're going, they, they, they've been doing this, uh, scanning, like 3d scanning of, uh, of, of necks. Primarily they started doing this thing where they were scanning, um, necks for, uh, on Martin, uh, old Martin guitars and and then building like then using the th- these 3d models to build uh like carbon fiber versions of the neck that they were then then the, then Martin would have them so that if someone came in and needed a neck reconstructed or a new neck like you know from whatever model guitar they would have this completely uh exact replica of of that neck, which is, it's just amazing. So they're going to do that with this banjo. Um, and so they'll scan us, scan the neck. And then apparently there's someone, I'm, I'm kind of sketchy on the details, but apparently there's someone in Kentucky who is pretty handy at re like making a new neck based on these, um, on, on on drawings. So that's, that's the, the idea in a very, you know, in, in a very general sense. So, other than that, I don't know what is going to happen. I mean, I probably, yeah, I, I, I don't know how long it will take or whatever. But I'm, I'm excited to see what happens. Theoretically, it should be as if if I closed my eyes, I wouldn't know the difference. Yeah, you know, in in terms of how it feels and and sounds. So,
0: wow, that's really interesting. I know. It, yeah, yeah,
1: I know. I, yeah. I, it's kind of it, it's it's uh, it, it's kind of exciting, you know. So. Um, but I, I, honestly, I don't know how far gone it is. I mean, to my ear, it's still like, I don't have tuning problems with it. It all seems pretty good. But when it was with Catherine, the last time she was saying, it's going to be something that has to be dealt with pretty soon. So this might be the time to do something like that now, you know, because it's not like we're going anywhere.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It's a luthier. will see those little micro, and stuff that uh yeah i i have an epiphone that i've had since i was 11 and it had never it had never really done anything i, I had just been playing it for years and and then right. i had kind of stopped uh really playing it as my own banjo um and i sent it down to a guy in ken mayor called the string doctor uh, so he, he specializes in doing up old epiphone banjos <laughs> all right wow so that's, he took that's, a niche, that's very niche. <laughs> yeah, he took it apart. Now he'll 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 do like anything, but he he loves the the epiphones you know. And he sent me up the photographs, and he said, "I've never had a banjo in worse condition <laughs> than this." Really? One. Well, like, what have you done with it? And oh. I reckon if you had analysed the DNA on the uh, on the flange. It would have had hundreds of musicians from Milton Malbet to the Every flaky old for twenty five years.
1: Oh, right, 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 right. Yeah, <laughs> I can, skinny. I can imagine. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> but he did a beautiful job and improved it enormously. Because um, my technical knowledge of what's going on under the hood of a banjo is is appallingly
1: bad. Mm, same as that. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm lucky I can change the strings and once if it gets much past that <laughs> i'm just like someone someone anyone can anyone do
0: something um it's it's not it's not great yeah so so going right back to when you took up the banjo first off because i'm i i, I i'm a big believer in technique uh, and it's kind of based on teaching for many many years and when you come across the kids or often adults that have played for a long yeah. time and they're they're stuck like, and the, it's it's always comes down to having the wrong pick and pattern, or way too much tension, or weird hand placements, and all that kind of stuff. Like, yeah. how how did you get started? Did you, did you start with a particular method, or just pick it up and start playing?
1: I th- it was more picking it up and starting playing, and then kind of getting around to realizing everything that I was doing wrong, um, and uh, it, when we were in Foxford, the, the sort of the, the the situation was that uh, we'd have someone w- would come to come to town once a week into the town hall and would have classes you know right um and so uh, and his name was martin donahue he was a a box player from ballandyne and but he 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 played the the, the accordion at, at, and he he was he was a um quadriplegic, and so he it wasn't so he could play it was, it was amazing he could play the accordion in such a way he could hold it in such a way it's like very limited movement of his of his arms but he it's kind of it, it was amazing that he could play and he was incredibly good at explaining instruments, but it wasn't like you would have someone play that instrument back to you like you it wasn't like you were sitting in front of someone who was playing the instrument that you were playing. So, it was a lot of just kind of based off of um you would sort of play something and it wasn 't really sort of like banjo lessons it was more general sort of music lessons um, so when I came so by the time by the time we moved back to philadelphia and and then I met Mick Maloney because he was living in Philadelphia um, and then he sort of you know took me under his wing and for you know and i i guess i would would have been about maybe 13 12 13 and then he started to show me you know everything that i was doing wrong and you know then started to you know the picking pattern uh ornaments and you know just sort of laying that out and, and and then you know i would just you know i would spend weekends over at, at his house and he would just you know, he would show me something and then just leave me off to, to work on it. Um, and, you know, it was super informal, but it was, it, it, it was the right sort of education. And that, at that time for me, you know, um, but it definitely like whatever, whatever technique that I developed, it started there and it was all based on, 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 um, you know, on, on those, those, those lessons, you know, mm. sort of, as informal as they were. You know.
0: Fascinating. Uh Martin's daughter Bernie uh started me on the banjo. Get out. Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I met Martin. Uh wow. when, we, when we were we were small kids when he was still alive, yeah. because I'd go to Bernie, uh we drive up once a week. She she was teaching music in the school where when I was a kid, like so I was okay. like eight or nine, she came in said who wants to play the banjo? And I was like, Me. Wow. Yeah. She was that is amazing. amazing. She was an amazing teacher, a brilliant teacher.
1: She played the concertina, right? Yeah. That was sort of like her her main her main thing. I remember because I mean yeah, she would have been. Yeah, she I mean she was would have been a teenager. She, She would occasionally come be with Martin on the when he'd come to Foxford and then we would go quite often, then we would go down to, to Ballandine for the, to the center that he had there, the, the stable drivers thing. And um, so, yeah, so wow. Small, small world.
0: Small world. Yeah, somebody, yeah, yeah. Yeah. How do you match up flute and banjo? I mean, they're terribly unrelated.
1: Yeah, I don't think, I don't think I do. I mean, I think, um, you know, I, growing up, I mean, really, you know fortunate that if you know myself or or any of my sisters if any of us showed sort of a, a, any interest in an instrument somehow m- my parents made it possible for that instrument to find its way into our into our hands so um so yeah so i think i mean when i heard the flute i think fundamentally i respond to the sound of instruments so i and i would hear things i'll say all right i say alright i that that to me sounds like something that's a flute thing, and then then I would hear something else, and that okay, that sounds like a banjo thing. So I kind of keep, in some ways, even something that I that you should be able to play on the flute or something that you should play on the banjo. But if I I hear them like oh that is a banjo thing or that's a flute thing, um that's yeah, I just kind of split that in my in my brain I think somehow, and things become okay. That's banjo, that's sort of in the plectrum world. This is in the woodwind world um And then weirdly, I find it very difficult to bring them together. Even though I know the tune, like playing them feels very, very foreign to move one to the other. I mean, I could play it, but I wouldn't be like I wouldn't be, you know, particularly, you know, uh confident in moving one to the other. Like because I hear something it's like, oh yeah, that that would be great on the banjo, or that would be great on the flute.
0: Mm. Um, is there is there any instrument that you wish that you learned as well as you learned banjo? I think
1: um I mean I don't know. I mean the banjo was something that I, I, it was I found it much easier to learn or I, I don't I I found it less of a thing like my memory of learning say the flute like I remember all the time spent practicing and trying to get the sound and how it was always sort of it fought you to, to like it never it never worked with you like i always found the banjo to be very agreeable like you could pretty much if you had a banjo to do like that sounded and you liked the sound of it i could it, it felt like we got on right and we didn't really have much of a falling out at any given time the flute was always sort of a battle like you always you you realized early on that the flute was, you were going to have to stay, really stay on top of it. Like it wasn't going to cut you any slack and it was never really going to be your friend. It would tolerate you, but it's not going to be your best friend. That was, (laughs) that's my relationship with the flute. (laughs) The banjo always seemed like it was very friendly. Like it would be, yeah. Um, So I, I never, like playing the banjo always felt like, practicing the banjo always felt fun. Like it was always like playing, as opposed to playing the flute. Felt like was practice if that makes any sense um so the so yeah to, so everything outside of that like i enjoy like in some ways the the mandolin is something that i have a similar relationship to like at, at the banjo it's like i just it just felt natural and i it doesn't you know um but you know and sometimes i i you know i hit, i mean i play the 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 guitar, the nylon guitar, but I don't really, play, I don't, I'm not a guitar player uh, because it's tuned, not like a guitar. Like, and it, it's not a guitar. It, it, it looks like a guitar, but there's nothing the way that I have it tuned or, or do with it. That's guitar like. Um, so, so, so that's, so that, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I, there's in, certainly instruments that I would have, I wish I had studied. I mean, I wish I had studied piano. I think if there was an instrument, that I wish I, that would be the one I just think it, it would have helped.
0: So what, what do you write music on then? Because you've written for soundtracks and lots of different genres, obviously mm. Irish and many other genres. So what do you write on? you hardly write on the banjo, do you?
1: No, very rarely on the banjo. I mean, the, the, but, um, mostly on, on, on my, my version of guitar or on, on piano or keyboard, you know, um, And, you know, I think, um, yeah, it's most, it's either guitar or or piano that I would write on, um, which, you know, I suppose is interesting since I don't really play either of them, but I think there's something, you know, sort of, I I think there, there, there's something to be said for sort of like the night you can have going into playing an instrument that you're not particularly, uh, Uh, you know proficient in you know you're not you're not really you're you're not encumbered encumbered with 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 technique or or can this do this you know you're just like okay i'm just going to make sounds and you know you kind of find your way through it that way and um so yeah so most of the like when i'm writing i mean i write on the mandolin um and more so now in the last little while um, but if I'm, you know, if I'm scoring something or whatever, it's mostly it's mostly on on piano, or or, or the guitar.
0: Um, and have you learned all the skills then for sc- scoring music? Like,
1: well, I mean, it, I've learned like you know, I don't read or write music, so it's all you know, my my learning skills would be learning logic, you know, like so I can you know, everything I do, I would just, uh, put into logic and then, and then, you know, work with people if, you know, if something need, needed to be, you know, uh, you know, written out for, for other people and stuff, just kind of find people who can help with that, uh, you know, facilitate that, that step in the process. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so I just, I mean, I realized a long time ago, even though I had a strong desire to learn how to read and and, and write, that that it just wasn't <laughs> was going to happen. It was just I, every, you know. And I don't know if it's I, I've got you know I've had you know I, I have sorry, I had I have dyslexia, and and I've always and I never really sort of connected the two things. Like really, like when I look at a piece of music, it just it just it makes absolutely. I literally I cannot make it out it is like, and so it was years before i was like wait a second maybe that's connected to my, to the problem of reading like just reading um so um so yeah so most of that stuff i've you know I, a, after a while i was just like you know this it is just torturous because i i had tried to learn um so i would you know i just pick up what i pick up as i go along and and then just you know apply it to things that i know that i can that i have a chance of learning which is something like logic and just applying you know or protos or whatever it might be um i'm saying logic right now because logic is open on the on the screen (laughs) (laughs) it could have been protos it was earlier today um but yeah um so yeah i just uh, i'll just sort of work i'll work within my 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 limited skill set and try to make the most of it.
0: Yeah. So wh- wh- where did your musical influences come from like uh, outside of Mick Maloney? Was there a big Irish community? What were you listening to when you were when you were, you know, learning banjo right at the start?
1: Well, I mean it, it a lot of Mick. I mean, um and of course, I mean it was funny like when I I just loved the sound of banjo and I didn't really, I mean, we didn't have we didn't have a television growing up as kids so you know so everything was the radio or or albums and, and and more radio than albums um so i would hear banjo on on the radio and and what i realized that and not knowing it at the time but i was like as much as i loved mix playing and the sound of that i was really drawn to what I learned many years later to be, uh, I was really drawn to the five-string banjo, to the sound of the five-string banjo. And in my mind, I didn't really make a huge distinction between what they were playing on the five-string banjo and Irish music, it it was the banjo. Um, But I didn't realize that it it was essentially another instrument. Like it really, the crossover between bluegrass, five-string banjo and Irish tenor banjo it might as well, you know, be, uh, you know, a, a tuba and a, a, and a ladder. I mean, it's like, it's, <laughs> but I, to my ear, I was like, well, it sounds great. And then what I started to try and do was think, well, it's it's that's the instrument that I'm playing. And then the, the thing that appealed to me in the sound of the five string banjo was the sort of lightness of it and the sort of the, the smoothness of the of the picking. But I thought that they were just doing it with a flat pick. But I would I would sit and just play for hours, trying to get my right hand to sound as smooth as the 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 five string, um, not realizing that that was you know a futile sort of <laughs> endeavor. But but that's what I did. I and and, and I think, but if, you know, I think it probably lent. It, it 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 that that doing that probably sort of you know meant you know i think i definitely like i i think i play lighter um and you know i i, I try and try and have that sort of lighter sound um or it's definitely my ear is still drawn drawn to that um but that, but that's why it, it means the sound. Like I, I just thought that they were all playing with the flat pick and it was all four strings and it was just, you know, <laughs> they were just doing something way better than I could. And that's what I tried to do.
0: So did you develop a whole load of kind of uh, cross-picking patterns then with your right hand that are outside of the kind of the Irish canon?
1: I, You know, I, possibly. I mean, I certainly... I would work something so that I, you know, I would try and, you know, have it t- to be, you know, uh, it, to my ear, something that was less sticky, you know, that it would like that flowing, uh, of, of something. So I would, I would just, I would just play for hours of just like repeating the same thing over and over and over again to try and get that, like to smooth it out and, and, and just, you know, um, just yeah to make it as light as possible and um and I guess yeah I mean if I if if I did I mean I'm sure I I must have because I you know I was able to do it uh, and it would have been just sort of I think you know just instinctually trying to figure out something that was you know um I mean the one thing I did learn and was to you know just uh to be as sort of as relaxed and hope and just to be as basically try to h- keep the right hand as, as light as, as humanly possible. And, you know, and this, you know, and, you know, this past year now, I've been doing, you know, a lot more, way more teaching than I have, you know, in, you know, before. Um And it's the one thing that I realized that makes it, you know, to, if someone is you know trying to learn the badge and they're having trouble with sort of getting a sound or getting the thing to sound nice or or, or sound smooth or unsticky or maybe their ornaments they keep getting tripped up and and all that and the one thing that seems to have a, a pretty immediate and 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 lasting uh effect is just relaxing that right hand and just sort of keep it as light as possible um you know in terms of how it's on the instrument, but also how you're holding the pick. I think there's a lot of tension that, you know, that you can sort of bring to the instrument, which doesn't, you know, the badger just doesn't, it doesn't want to be bashed, even though that's sort of what, you know, it was, it's a loud instrument, but I think the the sort of, the gentler, you can kind of, whatever sort of gentleness you can bring to it, I think it kind of works, works with you better, um, so that's, uh, that's the thing that I, uh, you know, I try and keep reminding myself of, you know, to try and keep, just keep it, you know, just keep it, keep it gentle. And he still gives you a lot of room dynamically for playing, but like, you know, um, and it certainly, certainly helps. And, and the other thing as well is, and I don't know, um, you know, playing with these sort of, and this is, again, from the time I was a kid is the only pick I ever played with, but these Herdom picks, I know you, you know, you've <laughs> certainly, you've you definitely have tried one of these, I yeah. know. Um, but yeah, it's like the, 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 lightest, the lightest, um, point on these Herdom picks that has been my, since I was a kid, that's, that's what I've always played with. Um, and again, they're so, they're super light, you know, um,
0: that's really, that's so curious. I, I've tried them. I absolutely detest those picks. Try them. And there's a, oh man, I've, I've, I still haven't found the perfect pick. I, I have one at the moment that I like, but I go through two, two to three of them each gig. And then, sharpen, really? Yeah. Once the, I discovered uh, through my, our sound engineer, he said, if you rub it off a carpet, you can sharpen them up again and you might get another kind of half a gig out of it. But, really? Um, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Still still struggling to find that, uh, the perfect pick. But I, I would have always struggled with those uh, those little, the pointy the, ones. These ones. Yeah, it's funny. Like, I don't really,
1: I don't know that I've ever met anyone that plays with these. I don't know how they're still in business. Because I, I mean, I'm glad that they are, because <laughs> like, I'm really worried about the day that you can't get them. You know, because I'm like, it's literally it's the only, I've tried. Like, I've got, like, I've only recently decided like in the, in the past year or so that I didn't like the sound of these on the mandolin. Right. So, and even like with the heavier, the heaviest one the So I started to experiment with heavier like picks and that like the, 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 um you know, the ubiquitous Jim, Jim Dunlop, one millimeter, you know? So that's about, I've get, I'm trying to get used to that on the mandolin, but I've tried it on the banjo as well. Uh, absolutely loathsome on the banjo for me and uh but uh, i'm getting used to it on the on the man and then somehow i ended up with one of these sort of fake tortoiseshell picks right for the mandolin and you know there's no give it's like playing with a like a like a rock like a um i love the sound of it but Mm. it's really really difficult to play with it just keeps falling out of my hand because it's so smooth and it keeps like turning so, but I'm committed to trying to get this to work cuz the sound of it on the mandolin is great.
0: Try uh, a a chip, W E G E N. It's a it's a white three-sided pick uh, and it's got holes in it. I don't have one handy here. Um, okay. Mandolin players use them, um, they're kind of an alternative to the the blue chip uh picks. But the the Wiegand is really nice. I have an Irish mandolin here uh, made by uh, Dave Shapiro. He hasn't made a huge amount of them, but it's absolutely beautiful on it. It's not as hard as the blue chip. It still is completely. There's no give whatsoever. But it just it feels a little bit gentler going over the strings. But it's really nice.
1: All right, I'll 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 give that a go because um, <laughs> I mean there's nothing nothing will shift me off of the herd for
0: the banjo. That's so when you're when you're playing live right because uh, playing acoustically at home even playing in a session in the studio and then you go on stage and it's loud and you got monitors or you have in-ear monitors and there's just so much noise and then you know big venues and crowd noise does does your right hand change mine gets quite tense and i i mm. usually go up a pick size i go from a 50 to a 60 to kind of compensate for just that wall of sound that i am living in
1: Hmm. I think, yeah. I mean, I, you're definitely, you're, you're, you you know, I would be digging in a bit more and then I'll try and remind myself that I, I shouldn't do that because we, you, like, we had uh, a, sound, a sound man with us for years who would like, we do the, we would do a gig and it was like, you know, big raucous energy and, you know, and we'd come off afterwards and and he would just give out to us because he was like why and particularly me and so like you know you're you're banging the hell out of that thing it's like I it, it, and but he was right because what he was saying was that if you're like hit the, the harder and the more you're digging into to the instrument the instrument's like it's going to close down right you're it's sort of like you have the sort of. Uh, sort of false sense of pushing the sound out right, by digging into it. But w- w- you're in fact, you, you're closing the sound. And so he was always trying to get us to remember to to play, like, you know, you're playing into it and you're not, you, you, you know, you're not not giving that energy. But when you're trying to like really like there, there, there comes a point of diminishing returns if you're like banging the hell out of it. I don't think I ever really accomplished splitting the difference because, um, but what I would do, I would move up to number two on the hurdle. <laughs> so that was, that was my concession to, uh, and, and if it was, it, 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 this was also temperature related because oh, yeah. if it was really hot, these things turn into water or a liquid <laughs> really quickly. <laughs> so if I left this in my back pocket, and I would have been sitting down. This thing was basically just like a piece of tissue. And <laughs> so, I've, you know, so you have to keep an eye on that, but I would move up to number two. And if it was a particularly hellacious gig, maybe number three, <laughs> but it would have to be absolutely sweltering.
0: <laughs> oh, that's brilliant.
1: But, yeah. 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 So I, 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 as much as possible, I try and keep, keep on the one. Cause I feel that if I move past that, I, 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 I have to I turn into a different kind of a a different player for that for that stretch of time and sometimes that's what's required. But, yeah. yeah.
0: And did you uh, did you get really technical then when it came to uh pickup sound versus um condenser mics, preamps, all of that kind of stuff? Did you use in-ear monitors?
1: Uh, we yeah, we did for a, for a while um and then as a band we couldn't really uh come to agreement about (laughs) the merits of (laughs) of in-ears um and so we moved off of the in-ears i mean i tried out loads of different sort of uh setups for the banjo you know for pickups mic you know clip-on mics mic and pickup combinations um and i never really found anything that i liked um And, and then I sort of just ended up, you know, going with, uh, you know, uh, just 57s, 57 in the, on, you know, and because yeah, for whatever reason, I mean, it's, it's an ongoing thing. I am looking at, I have been seriously looking at, um, the uh what is the grace design uh you know mixer uh, oh the the elix yes i mean uh, that 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 is i think that's the that's the trick and then that with a, a clip on and and a pickup i think i think it was a lot of it was just that the blend i couldn't get anything that sort of blended the two and then um what 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 are you using?
0: <laughs> I think, well, I met I met Bela in um, in February at Wintergrass, and and I because and I asked him because he has he has the Grace Audio, which we have, and they're, they they are immensely amazing. And I said, Bela, do you you know when you were with Flectones and that, did you use the in ear monitors? Because I'm really struggling with them because you just it's a digital sound in your ear, you have no feel and. He laughed and he said, man, I used to come off stage wanting to kill myself and go, why am I the one person in this entire venue that has a crap sound? (laughs) (laughs) I have the worst (laughs) sound. And so he started, uh, they put put mics out into the audience to capture ambient sound and feed that back into the ears so that there was some sense, you know. Um, I'm using a, a Fishman Rare Earth. Uh, with the with, with the Grace Audio Alex, um, it the sound that's going out to the audience is fantastic. We have an excellent engineer. It it's it's it wouldn't be as good. My preference would be like a DP twenty. Uh, is it what those little clip-on condenser mics?
1: Like the uh, DPAs.
0: DPAs or the yeah. But the problem with those is because we move around the stage so much, is that you would then have to have a battery pack or a very long. Uh, cable that you're tripping over <laughs> so everything it's always a trade-off um i'm, I'm not 100 happy i usually end up playing with one of my inners out because i need that ambient sound if i can't feel there's nothing i like more than standing in front of a really loud monitor with lots of banjo in it because then the banjo reverberates and yeah, it feels exactly, alive yeah. and when mm-hmm. you take that out and you're in playing into like a cavernous uh outdoor stage or something like that and they just Everything's gone. I find I struggle yeah. with those the most
1: yeah the the in ears are the, the the sort of the practical you know the, the, they're incredibly practical and you know uh but it really change it 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 really you need to adjust to that new relationship to what you're hearing and and what you're not hearing as well, because that's sort of the ambience plays so much part of, of your experience and what you're responding to. And if that's suddenly that's closed out or, yeah, um, yeah we, we never, like we would have various sort of, um, I mean, <laughs> it led to some serious rows, but um, we, eventually, um, we eventually were like, all right, we've, we've spent way too much time, way too much money on this, and we cannot agree on it and um so we just we just bagged it um after a certain point um but uh, it uh yeah and then just you know and then you know obviously you're back at the mercy of of monitors and and um you know but you know for us we were you know we were always pretty lucky with the the you know w- with our sound people who you know who traveled with us um and you know in, in, in terms of they were very good for the house, but they were also very sort of conscientious about what they were sending back to us, um, on stage. Cause as you know, whenever possible we would have them do house and, and monitors, you know, just doing it from that position. So, um, and you know yourself, if you're working with the same person for a long time, they can, you know, that, that, that gets to a point where, you know, we were able to sort of begin to mitigate that, that horror show that can be, you know, uh, stage sound. Um, but, uh, but yeah. And I mean, the, the banjo, micing the banjo is still an ongoing, um, process for me. Um, and I do feel that I'm probably, probably going to move to the Felix and some combination of, of pickup and, and mic, mm-hmm. um, just because the one thing I that does become a problem, and and with that, using just relying on a fifty-seven, it's inherently there's one big problem. It's like at some point, you cannot get any more level on stage. It's just you're just going to blow up everything. Yeah, <laughs> and, and everyone's going to look at you because they know it's, it can only be you because you're the one trying to like, you know get over a band with a 57 and a, and a banjo is idiotic. And I realized that, but, um, so I, yeah, it, it ends up with me having to play much harder than I prefer. Um, and, uh, and still, you know, not really knowing what, what, what's happening, you know, it's just, I still can't hear. So, uh, yeah, after all these years, Um, (laughs) I, 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 I need to, to it, to do something about it. Yeah.
0: So in terms of solace, uh, like it's a, it's a glittering career. I I feel that it's, um, like one of the most influential Irish bands. And for me, the fact that there was a banjo front and center was a Mm. huge deal. Like it was very Mm. inspirational. Um, like how big did it get? It was, it's, it's, a, it's a lot, there's some huge albums and some incredible collaborations. I'm thinking Bela Fleck uh, on, yeah. on one of them, and Giddens, I think at one stage as well.
1: Yeah. 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 I mean, we were, you know, I think where the sort of the where and the when of where we started was, you know, there was that sort of the, the mid nineties and, you know, there was, I think our timing was really, you know, obviously it had nothing to do with us, but we were, we, we, we sort of caught the crest of a wave and, you know, we were, um, you know, I had had a little bit of, uh, the band started in whatever, 95, 96. And I had, I, uh, I had done the music for this film, the Brothers McMullen, which had, w- which was getting a bit of attention over, over here and it won Sundance, the Sundance Film Festival and whatnot. So like there was that happening and then the band. So I, I was getting a little bit of, of shine from this film. And then that kind of went into the band. And so there was like, and then the band got, and then that led to us. I mean, I think really the the two things that kicked it off for us was like coming out of that, that moment with the film we made the first album and then we ended up on Prairie Home Companion. um, I think even before the album came out and then on, and and as well as this other radio program, similar um, called Mountain Stage. So those two, um, those, those two things in conjunction with the film, even though the band name wasn't associated with the film, but my name was, and then I was associated with the band. So we kind of got out of the gate in a, an unusual way you know um with that first album and so so that that you know suddenly we were you know we didn't have any notion of of doing anything other than that first album you know we made the first album and wasn't even we didn't even think that we'd be touring it because we were all sort of involved in other things um, and uh, so then that that got a lot of attention and and then it was sort of away with it after that um so um so yeah it it kind of took on its own momentum without with with you know no no thinking really about it because it just it just happened and then the first couple of albums happened very quickly then in succession like suddenly it was like i think we did an album a year, like the first three albums um so and, and we were on the road constantly you know so it all it all it was all a bit of a blur and you know and got to meet you know got to work with Bela Irish Dement and you know those first couple of years Johnny Cunningham produced you know the first album um so yeah I, you know we were we were fortunate in where we where we started and that it was at a time I think when um there was an uh a lot of attention on all things Irish in America. Um, you know, and, you know, I guess Riverdance was starting, right, in the mid-90s. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was this sort of groundswell of sort of mainstream spotlight. I mean, obviously Irish music had always enjoyed a, you know, a, a degree of success in America um, for, for ages. So it wasn't that that wasn't there. It was just that there was a slightly brighter light burning on on what we were doing at that time because it was i mean you couldn't turn the television on and there was like a you know every tv commercial had tin whistles or pipes or something it was ridiculous you know and you know you would be i mean i would you know if we weren't on the road i was working on i i was doing a lot of, i was doing music for tv commercials playing the whistle it was absurd you know or playing the bow on it was just like you know, it, it, it was a moment of, of, of strangeness for sure, but we, we, we benefited from, from that for sure. You know? Um, so. Uh,
0: where uh, is, is Solace kind of, kind of on a quieter spell now? Is it, or what, yeah. what's, 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 you know, what are you doing now and what is your, I mean, have you big dreams Have you big stuff that you're working on? Have you something that you'd love to do?
1: Yeah, I mean, right now, I mean, the the band decided after, you know, we had the 20th uh we did the album for the 20th anniversary and like leading up to that we were like, you know, we need to to take a bit of a a breather after after that. And so, you know, we planned to to do that album and then we we would tour that and then we were going to hit pause. And so that was in the whatever to the album came out of 15 i think we it was like 2017 the beginning of 2017 we wrapped up whatever touring there was for that and so it's been what now we're going into our fourth year of you know of that not of solace being on a break and i and honestly i don't know what you know what the future holds for the for the band i mean i i i imagine at some point something will happen you know um but there's no, there's no, um, there's no plans for anything like that. But I mean, for, for myself, I mean, you know, I released, a you know, a new album there at the beginning of, of last year. Um, and we, you know, <laughs> didn't get really to tour that very much. Um, but we've got, got a couple of weeks out of it. Um, and so, you know, I'm doing some, you know, um, uh, I'm, i guess i'm working on a bunch of different things um i mean one of the things that i've been working on for the last while and was sort of it's an outgrowth of the solace uh not not the last time there's two albums ago the shamrock city um album which was a sort of a concept album based on based on uh, a story from my family from my family's history about a, a relative who come over and and ended up in butte montana working in the in the copper mines and so we, the band made an album uh based on that story but since then been working with someone who have been sort of writing um writing a sort of a play uh about that um that has it, it kind of right now it sort of keeps vacillating toward from being a musical into back to a play. And we're not quite sure where, where it's going to be at the minute, except that I'm right. Like I've written a ton of music for it. Um, but now kind of unsure of whether it's an actual musical. Um, but, um, but yeah, I'm like, you know, with the, uh, the, the, the new solo album, early bright, um, you know, did, you know, hopefully get a chance to, to, I don't know, tour that probably, you know, who knows. Um, but I'm, you know, writing a bunch of new stuff, working on some film stuff. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's an interesting sort of, you know, it was sort of after 20 something years of being in a band and then that's hit, like that stopping, there was a moment of going, Whoa, that's this, feels very strange and a, and a, a moment of going, well, I'm not quite sure what, you know, what that, what that means. So, and, and, and I think also I was sort of benefited from the fact that I all, at the same time I was I decided to move from Philadelphia, which I'd been in for 20 years. So there was other things to sort of distract that initial transition. Um, but, you know like most things that was sort of like push putting it off <laughs> at some point there was going to be sort of a reckoning of you know what's next you know so that happened up here in the in the wilderness in, in vermont um so it took a while to sort of figure out what was what was next but the more sort of distance i got from the end of the band and the move and and sort of settling down once again um and and you know and kind of getting getting set up in a workspace again like you know built a new studio and all that kind of stuff and um yeah it's just a lot of a lot of writing and um and excited about this this um you know this play um and a couple of other you know other projects that are sort of starting like one of the things with and it's funny and you might find this as well because i mean you guys are you know you guys were tearing it up on the road until we were until we had to stop but you're you know you have all these ideas that you want. you's like, oh, I'd love to do X, Y, and Z, you know, musically. But then you never get to do it because you're doing the stuff with the band. And so the band is, I mean, that's, the band is a full-time occupation. I mean, even if you're not on the road, you're working on stuff about being on the road, or you're working on the next album, or you're working on whatever. It's nonstop. So, you know, so I had all, you know, over the years, I had a collection of things, a, a list that was growing of things that I had wanted to do and so occasionally they would bleed into the band but just like a bit of something you know there's oh okay i've written this it was for this other thing but i'm not going to get to this other thing for quite some time and then it would find its way somehow a version of that would find its way to the band um but then once i didn't have that excuse anymore it was like oh shit (laughs) i actually have to start doing this stuff now i can't actually just say oh i don't have the time it's like well you know, I've got the time. So, um, but it's, it's, inter- it's an interesting sort of, uh, switch from going, Oh, I don't have the time. Oh, I've got the time. Oh my God, I've got the time. And then the terror of, of that, <laughs> you know, and then, then you have to kind of readjust again. Um, and, um, so that's like, uh, you know, a large part of the last couple of years has been adjusting to, to that third version like oh my god, I've got the time, and you know, and then again compounded more by the sort of where we are, you know, with world events.
0: Um, so indeed, oh my god, the time, yeah, well, I know that one too well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> and I think what a lot of, what, what happened to a lot of musicians that were touring uh, when when COVID hit was that they kind of they came home, got over the initial shock, and then there was this enormous pressure. To, to create, it was you know because it was it was like the oh my god you've got all of this time now you must have fifteen albums you're going to write you know by June, and a lot of people got crushed I believe under the weight of that kind of self-imposed pressure that this is going to be the most meaningful time I've ever had, and uh, I feel I'm just kind of coming out of a year of very intense pressure to create, particularly online. And and just now, kind of breathing and going, okay, wow, so there's there's, a, there's there's more time here now because you know this is going to go on for a little bit more. So, what do we really want to do? Yeah,
1: yeah, I think that, that that's so true. I mean, and that initial sort of, um, you know, w- w- when literally everything stopped overnight, and then it was like everyone kind of made their way home eventually. And then I was like, oh, yeah, we're home. So I didn't have that sort of uh, like initial impulse. Like at the beginning, I was like, I felt somewhat sort of paralyzed, you know. And I was like, well, I'm not like I didn't feel like I I saw so much stuff being created out there. And I was amazed and and really sort of um, in awe. I was like, wow, this is incredible. Like everyone seemed to, to be able to turn that very quickly into uh, this was, and now this is, and I was like, and, and realizing, well, I, I don't seem, to, I, haven't, <laughs> I haven't found that switch just yet because <laughs> I, I was, I was still going, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> you know? So, I, I so it took me a couple of months to sort of, um, you know, sort of, not process it, that's the wrong word, but just sort of find my own way into what I thought that I could, you know, do and, um, and figure what that, what that meant. And, you know, so over the, you know, it took me a while to sort of get comfortable in that. I remember doing my first sort of streaming thing and I was absolutely terrified and, 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 I hated it. I hated it so much. And I was sort of, cause it was just like, oh my God, every, everything that you have sort of learned to rely on in a performance sort of thing is it, it, taken. It's gone. You know, like someone putting an emoji of, 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 of clapping hands does not, <laughs> does not give you that, thing like you're like oh well okay that's i'm glad then it's worse than i suppose someone giving you the finger with an emoji but at least (laughs) you're like okay and it's trying to learn how to respond to that and make the you know make that sort of switch in your mind um of like okay what is what is the difference between me sitting in this room which i've done for hundreds of hours just playing And now what's the difference between that and what has just happened? Like, where, where do you make that sort of mental and that, that, that jump? Because like the camera pointing at you doesn't make you do, at least it didn't for me. I don't know. Um, So I I struggled with that initially and, and, and still, still do. Um, it, It feels like a heightened sense of, of, of scrutiny or something. Like I think when you're doing a show, You're like, okay, whatever happens, you're in the moment, you're having this, this dialogue with these, with the people who've, who are there. So you're all experiencing this in a very, in, in, in the same way, you know, you're, you're, they're responding to this environment, you're responding to their response. So it's like, it's like this thing that, that, that happens and there's a safety in that and there the energy of that. But when you're doing that in your studio or wh- wherever you are, and that's going out to someone who's like, you know, maybe they're making a cup of tea or making dinner and there's kids screaming, like their relationship now is totally different to what, you know, you, well, your relationship is different. Their relationship to how they're taking it is very different. So it's very, very hard to know, like, what, like, how do you, how do you, you know, how do you go across that bridge? to you know and what's the expectation and because it's it's also very different um and you just i mean i just kind of felt like uh, i don't have i don't have that sense of what's working and what's not you know um so
0: yeah i I mean i ended up doing more interviews with other musicians because the thoughts of playing banjo on my own (laughs) in a room (laughs) into a camera on a, on a, you know, and, and, and just at that stage, just the mic on the laptop was so destroying. Yeah,
1: Yeah. exactly. Yeah. Yeah, It's, you know, I I have, I I started teaching a lot more and I, again, there was a learning uh, curve on that and 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 but then I started to hold these sort of group classes which I started to, to, to enjoy. Like that that the that the relationship then was somewhat more immediate. Like you could you're working with people and they're like there's a, a common there's a common purpose like that you're all sharing in, even though it is virtual. So that was sort of, you know, um, you know, and having you know, and, and then having some guests on and stuff like that was—I sort—I—I—I've enjoyed that because I, those types of things you wouldn't, you couldn't do, um, easily before, you know, um, and so so that's been a a surprising. I was surprised. I was surprised at myself how much I enjoyed it, mm. um, and and all, and, and particularly in the difference there was in when you're trying to do you know sitting with the banjo just by yourself and a camera which i agree is a hateful thing <laughs> like i think for everyone involved
0: <laughs> especially when you play this you play the first part of one tune and the second part of another tune and then you're completely <laughs> lost
1: <laughs> yeah yeah it's just like oh
0: yeah it's um
1: but you know it again you know the one thing though that's encouraging is that you know we all sort of adapt and, and and develop. I think we're all sort of now finding, or at least speaking for myself, finding this the things that I am comfortable with and and knowing or getting an idea of how I can get comfortable with some other aspects of it. Um and, and sort of adjusting what's available to what kind of suits your particular needs, you know, um, and knowing what is best left to others (laughs) maybe maybe more importantly
0: (laughs) I think when when we do get back out on the road I what my hope is that I'll appreciate it an awful lot more for what it is
1: yeah yeah I think so I mean I, I I can't imagine being able to go back out again and and have the same sort of mindset that existed Beforehand, you know, before um, it'll be it'll be really interesting. I mean, the few times that we ventured out—I mean, not for a live thing, but for like a, a you know a filmed thing or a recording thing—even getting out the door was sort of a strange, strange experience. It was just like yeah, you know, all the things that you've taken for granted, you know, like you, you, you realize that for years you've never fully unpacked. For instance, like. like your stuff is more or less, it's almost like you're always prepared for an emergency, like an emergency gate. You you, you know where the stuff is. (laughs) You know, this is like, okay, you gotta go run. And you know, where the boundaries, you know, where the leads are, you know, where all the gear is. And you just, and and I remember the first time I had to do something that brought, like it it was, again, it wasn't a live thing. It was a studio thing. And I had to bring stuff. and It was a nightmare. Like, I didn't know where anything was. And I was just like, oh, wait, I've done this before. I've done this my entire life. And this feels like the first time I've... And it was just a very, very strange experience. And I was I was grateful to, to have the opportunity to get out.
0: But I was like, God
1: almighty, this is
0: stressy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah My wife made so, me... Uh, she made me put my suitcase in the attic. It was the first time in, what, 10 or 15 years that it had, you know, physically gone into the attic. And I remember putting it up there and... I kind of had tears in my eyes because I was like I have no idea when this is coming down again I was, yeah. that's the first time in like 20 years that I had no clue when I was getting on a plane again or when I was going to pack clothes and put stuff yeah I have no idea where yeah. I had to buy a new tuner clip on tuner because I mean I'm only in my house and I lost it <laughs> it wasn't in my case I, well it's funny like you say i couldn't find my
1: suitcase when i had to go I i i'd done the same thing i put it someplace <laughs> and it was out of sight and which is first time in forever and and i couldn't find it i didn't know where i'd left it it was here and i eventually found it but i had to ransack the place <laughs> and i was like this is so so strange yeah so strange yeah. but um but you know it's you know, again, sort of, I think once you sort of make the mental switch and say, okay, we're settling in, we're settling into this now for a while, you know? Um, and at some point I think I had sort of, I don't know, I, I sort of had resolved myself to, I think at some point I'd sort of resolved myself to sort of like a two year window that this is probably, and, you know, I hope you know, well, we're moving into our second year now. And, but I mean, that sort of thing. So I think sort of fit my, 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 my generally pessimistic nature anyway. But I was like, I was hoping that I I was to be wrong, but I think so far it's, it's offered me some cold comfort. (laughs) You know, so I've sort of gone, okay, we need to just think about things differently and, you know, and sort of not sort of pine for what was and, you know, what, what, what could have been, um, and just sort of move forward in, in what, what we have and, you know, and how, and, and, and obviously in the hopes that we come out on the other side of this and, and, you know, that we do have an opportunity to play again, you know, I mean, you know, it's, it's one thing to sort of have the, you know, the, the hope of what's, you know, what's on the other side of this, but also, you know, you're, you know, the, the reality of there's probably going to be fewer venues out there you know, that it's hard to imagine that, that, that the sort of, you know, that the, 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 the scene is going to be like, we left it. you know, I think there's, I I, I think the reality of getting back out there is, I don't think we have a sense of what that's going to be like yet. And I, and, and in some ways, I think whatever it is, I think it's going to be at least for the very near future, some combination of this, and that and you know and maybe that's not a bad thing i mean i think there's you know there could be you know the the sort of the reach of this i mean the chances are if we were if nothing else was happening the chances of us talking like this probably doesn't exist or without a whole bunch of complications you know so so this is, so that, that that's a positive you know um And so, you know, if, if, if there's a, if there's a a scenario in reality, which takes the best of this sort of isolated version of ourselves that can put it to the more sort of extroverted versions of ourselves, well, you know, maybe, maybe that's a, a positive way moving forward, you know? So,
0: so we can, we can only hope, Yeah. Well, On that... We have a ways to go. <laughs> <laughs> we do. And on, on that positive and hopeful note, Seamus, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. And I do look forward to seeing you on the road again and hopefully sooner. Same as that. Rather than later. Same as that. Yeah.
1: yeah. And uh, yeah, hopefully we can uh, get out there and uh, yeah, it's going to be, I think it's going to be, it'll be exciting once we're, we all, everyone feels safe again. And, yeah. you know,
0: I, I'm, as soon as, soon as we meet up, I'm going to try that pick, and I know I'm not going to like it. <laughs> but
1: you know what? Maybe you know what? Maybe
0: I'll just send you some in the meantime. No,
1: I know that's where to, what I should do. I know where to get them. They're <laughs> you, you just ignore them. Yes, but maybe, but maybe they've improved since the last time you. you well, I'm. You know, you're not alone
0: in in, in your in your sentiment. In my my new the, attitude pardon. of openness and positivity. I am completely open to them being much better than they used to be.
1: Well, here's something that I I learned, and I don't know, someone told me this recently, and I don't, I, it blew my mind, because if it is true, I've spent my entire life not knowing this about these picks. So they're red, and there's a blue one here, and they're yellow, right? Now, they're all the same, you know, one, two, three. But apparently the different colors are different strengths. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't know this. And, I, and I'm holding these and I, 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 I'm going, well, I don't know. I think, I don't think they, that that they are, but, um, but now I, it has me thinking. And
0: it feels a little um, bit like that scene from the matrix, you know, take the know. Red pick or the blue <laughs> is it, is it, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, you know, that
1: that that carves out a few hours out of the day for me like in in, in lockdown <laughs> i just sit here which one which one <laughs>
0: for listening. If you loved this episode, please head over to our website webanjo3.com to subscribe, rate, and do leave us a review. It makes a huge difference. See you next time inside the banjo.